Thank you for listening to the Christ Church Showmans. This is Jared Sparks, one of the pastors at Christ Church Carbondale. We want to thank you so much for listening, as Ransom said, my son. And we ultimately hope that these are God-honoring. And because they are God-honoring, we hope that they are also edifying and encouraging and, and challenging to you in the best sort of way. Thanks so much for listening. The sermon title this morning is Ambitious Contentment. Ambitious Contentment. Yes, hey, thank you, Brendan. I appreciate that. Ambitious Contentment. If you'll go ahead and look with me in the Bible, I'll read the passages and then preach the sermon. Here we go. This is the word of the Lord. I rejoice in the Lord greatly at length, that now at length you have received my concern, your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. All right, let's pray one more time. Lord Jesus, we need direction. Help us as we understand your word. Help us to understand your word. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear. Help us to obey. Help us not to be the ones who just hear but don't obey. Help us to not go in one ear and out the other. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take these words and transform us from the inside out. I pray you would help us to know the difference between godly ambition and selfish ambition. And lead us as we talk about contentment. I trust that you're going to. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, contentment. With contentment, there's a word that I think we need to understand that goes right inside the definition of contentment, and it's this word satisfied. Contentment has to do with internal satisfaction or internal happiness with whatever is going on in your life. And we're going to be challenged today to be satisfied from the inside out or content from the inside out no matter what's going on in our world, no matter what is or is not happening in your life, no matter what is or is not happening in your family, whatever is or is not happening in the world. Contentment is possible and it is the expectation of every believer to pursue it and have it. Contentment, not to be confused with lacking ambition or with stoicism or somehow this idea of a life of resignation to whatever happens will happen, which we'll explore here in a minute. But I have a few questions for you that I think are very, very helpful and diagnostic for us to understand where we are as individuals. Okay, number one, are you internally satisfied? Are you internally satisfied? These are questions of the heart, inside. What's going on in you? Are you satisfied with your life? Or is it kind of the life of Ecclesiastes, where there's always just something else? You think you would be satisfied if you had this life, or you had this product, or you had this fill-in-the-blank. Are you satisfied right now with your life? Are you content? Are you happy? We've talked about the differences between the, the so-called differences between happiness and joy, I'm talking about enduring happiness. Are you really happy in life? I'm not talking about temporary pleasure. I'm talking about biblical happiness. Are you happy? Do you know your mission in life? Or do you feel like you're kind of just floundering about? Sometimes I feel like I have a mission. Sometimes I don't feel like I have a mission. Do you have a mission in life? Okay, the opposite of that, or are you just perpetually discontent, where you just always feel like it's out there, it's just always beyond my grasp, I just cannot be content. I feel like I'm content for one day, and then I go for another year being discontent. 
Maybe you can say with Paul, yeah, I'm really content. I'm really content. I'm very happy, very satisfied. God's good. Things are going great. And I want to expect that there's many of you that are able to answer those questions with the affirmative. Yeah, I'm very content. I'm very happy, very excited. God's doing something. I know what my mission is. I know what my purpose is. I know what God's called me to, and I'm going after it. I, I expect that many of you are in that boat. So maybe you can say with Paul, yes, I'm content, and praise God. I hope that's a majority of us, but I think we can all say, even if we're there, we could be more content. We could be more satisfied. We could be more excited about the lot that God has put in our lap. And we must be vigilant. Contentment can go. It really can. Uh, contentment can be um, a thing that, that's there for a season, and then you go for a decade, and you don't know you feel like you're a totally different person. You feel like you used to have this peace, you used to have this joy, and then it's just gone. And then if you've lived long enough, you know that then there are seasons that you've been in this groove and things are great and you had five years of contentment. Contentment, you have to be vigilant or your heart can chase after a lot of different things. It can, think, it can chase after stuff, it can chase after vacations, it can chase after a different life, the life you always wanted or that you thought you always wanted. It could be a new vehicle, things as vain as that. Tell you what, a new vehicle can capture a lot of people. Like, ah. I really, if I just had that truck. So we must be vigilant. Contentment, if left alone, really will walk away from you. So you have to fight for it. Look at verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. In short, this is almost like a tag on verse. It does fit to everything that's going on. But as Paul is closing the letter, Paul is happy to receive their help. And he wants them to know that. He's grateful. Thank you for receiving the concern. I am so thankful that you helped me and that you found a way. He knew, Paul knew, that they wanted to help them. And yet they didn't have a way to help them. And then it dawned on them. Somehow the Holy Spirit helped them understand. Wait, wait a minute. Paul's in prison. We can send Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus can bring some supplies to him, can bring some resources to him. Paul is allowed to receive these resources and supplies even though he is in prison. Think about the end of 2 Timothy when Paul is asking Mark to come and bring him his extra cloak and bring some books. And he even wants Mark to come, who he didn't like before. But he's like, man, I need Mark now. I'm this lonely in this prison. Even Mark will do. Um, and so we, we see that somehow or another they could receive these kinds of gifts in prison and they thought, well, we'll just send Epaphroditus, like we'll, we'll do. And, and there have always been a generous church to Paul. They always came to help him in ministry. And so they ended up finding a way, they got creative, and they sent Epaphroditus with supplies and gifts. And Paul wanted to know, wanted them to know that he was grateful. But even if they were not able to do it, it's like this uh, future thing. If they weren't in the future able to help him to meet his needs and meet his concerns, he wanted them to know that also he would be okay if they weren't able to do it. He didn't want them to feel some sort of unnecessary obligation that if they couldn't next year send more supplies, or they couldn't three years from now send more supplies, that he was somehow going to be ungrateful. And so he, he uh, is taking care of what he needs to take care of in that cell, and he wants to let them know that, um, that he is, he's okay even if they couldn't help. Uh, look at verse 11. Not that I'm speaking, speaking of being in need, for I have learned that in whatever situation I am to be content. I am to be content. Okay, here we go. We're talking about learning contentment. Learning contentment. He says learning contentment here. And then later on, I have learned the secret. So Paul's giving us insight here that this is not something that he just inherently had within him. This contentment piece that he's going to tell us about and the secret of contentment is something that he had to step into. 
The apostle didn't just have natural contentment. It was something that he had to grow into. And that's how it is with all of us. That's how it is with all of us in our lives. We have, we have to go through life and we're navigating, okay, is that sinful desire or is that godly desire? Is this thing that I want to pursue, is it for the glory of God or is it the glory of my name? Or is it a mixture of both? Is this about me or is it about, about being obedient to God? Is this about my dream and wanting to receive some sort of affirmation for it? Or is this really where God is leading me, whatever it may be? And as you navigate those areas of desire, it can be really, really hard. Because a lot of times desire from the inside out is mixed. It's a little bit of wanting to honor God, and yet there's some sort of like, you know, mixture in there where there's some dross in there where you're like, yeah, okay, I do want to honor the Lord, but receiving a lot of praise for it and recognition would be pretty cool too. I would never voice that, but boy, if, if people would recognize that I'm the vessel that God is using, that'd be okay. That'd be okay with me. And so there's a mixture when we talk about the area of the heart and emotions, but Paul is saying that I have learned this. I really have. It's not that he's arrived fully, but he really did step into this commitment, he's gonna, or this, this contentment. He's going to tell us about it. I have learned in whatever situation that I am to be content. Whatever situation, no matter what it is. So that, that means that whatever situation you're in, it qualifies as a situation that you can be content in. No matter what it is. Whatever the situation is, good, bad, he learned the secret of being content in that good or bad situation. But first, I want us to consider what contentment isn't. We've already talked a little bit about it, but, but number one, contentment is not a lack of ambition or desire. Uh, being content doesn't mean you don't get up and wash your face and get dressed and go to work in the morning because you're content. Contentment is not to be confused with lack of of ambition or desire. It's not a shrug your shoulders carelessness. It's not a resignation towards life. It's not a laziness about pursuing something more or building a business or building your household or building your family up. It's not a laziness about stewarding what God has given you. Contentment is not sitting on your hands and just looking at what you have. Contentment is not being satisfied in the middle of living sinfully. Contentment is not fatalism. Well, God's going to do what God's going to do. So I'm going to sit idly by. That's not contentment. Contentment is not about stoicism or the internal suppression of desire. So it's not a natural thing that non-Christians can have. It can have its, its some sort of cousin attribute through the grace of God. But true contentment is something that only Christians can have. Stoicism is this idea that if I suppress all desire and push it down, then I can be at peace. And there's a lot of people who have done a lot of really good things through a stoic view of life. Where if I suppress desire, then I won't want something and I can just be at peace in my life. Contentment is not that. Contentment and desire or ambition can walk hand in hand. In fact, they should. We see that in the life of Paul. Contentment is not stoicism. Contentment has to do with internal satisfaction, and it's something that God gives. So we're going to piece together a definition here, because we know that satisfaction is a part of the definition of contentment. Internal joy or internal satisfaction, it's a part of the definition of con contentment. And so I want to give us a working definition as we move forward. Contentment is the internal satisfaction that God gives, that God gives, that comes from knowing that you are in Christ... 
So this is a, a, a distinctly Christian thing. When you know you're in Christ, and I have Christ, he is mine, I am his, and you know that you're obeying him in whatever your situation, if you're disobeying, you can't be content, and that he is in control, and that you know he is in control. There's unbelievable contentment that can happen. Let me read it again in a succinct manner. Contentment is the internal satisfaction that God gives that comes from knowing you are in Christ, knowing that you're obeying him in whatever your situation, and knowing that he is in control. I have Christ. He satisfies me. I can be content. I may not have riches, but I know the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I know the one who owns the universe, and he calls me his own. I have Christ. He satisfies me. I know that my sins are forgiven. I don't have a longing guilt within me and wonder, if, just a, a, a question mark, if, if I'm okay with God. I have a peace with God that passes all understanding. I know I'm right with God. So I know that I'm in Christ, therefore I can be content. When I'm obeying God, the second piece to that definition, I am internally satisfied. This is what obedience brings, joy. When you obey the Lord, when you're honoring Him, to the best of your ability, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and through gratitude for God's grace, it's a satisfying thing to know you're obeying and honoring the God of the universe. Much discontentment in your life comes not from your situation, but your reaction to your situation. A refusal to see what God is doing. Or a stomp your fist or stomp your foot and raise your fist mentality from the inside out that God, if you would do things better, then I would be content. If you would do things my way. Much discontentment comes from disobedience. And then third, trusting our wise father. If you don't believe God is sovereign, it's impossible to be truly content. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said about this. True contentment is absolutely essential to happiness. There is a plant called selfishness. And if you pull it up by its roots, you will find that it grows in the soil called misery. We're self completely renounced and Christ fully received as all in all, sorrow would be so sweetly accepted by us that the sting of it would be taken away. Contentment. Things are tough. It's something that brings sorrow. But if you know you're in Christ, the sting of that sorrow is taken away. It doesn't mean it's not hard. It doesn't, mean it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't even hurt. But the sting is taken away because you're content. You know you have Christ and he's with you. We must be satisfied with what God appoints or else we shall be constantly the prey of discomfort and the victims of disappointment. We have to know that our Heavenly Father is in charge. And that our life is not floating about with every once in a while his interaction with it. Our days are determined by our Heavenly Father. And we can trust him from birth to the grave. Contentment must be learned. It's a process. Contentment never comes from that disobedience. So knowing you're in Christ and learning to obey in every situation and believing deep down that God is in control, it takes time. Contentment and obedience are going to walk hand in hand. We've got to take time. It takes time, but we've got to be committed to learning commitment like the Apostle Paul. Um, with all of these pieces of the definition, you're in Christ. We're going to obey him no matter what the situation and that our Heavenly Father is in control. We have to learn that we are in Christ. We have to learn to obey in any and every situation. And we have to learn to trust our Heavenly Father. And as we learn those things, we become more content people. Contentment and internal satisfaction 
go hand in hand. Look at verse 12. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned, there it is again, the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. We see here, Paul had unshakable contentment no matter what was going on in his life. He knew how to be brought low, and he knew how to abound. Now, a lot of people think they know how to abound, but just look at people who have a lot. I tell you what, Hollywood is full of people who have everything except contentment. And average blue-collar worker men and soccer moms all over the place have great things, but contentment is lacking. Contentment is what people want, and it's such a rare rare thing. In each of these circumstances, Paul learned the secret, facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So we're going to break it down a little bit. He knows how to be brought low, and he knows how to hunger, and he knows how to be in need. We're piecing these words together through verses 12. In, uh, in verse 12, I know how to be brought low, and I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And so we're breaking these into two categories. Being brought low, hunger and need. And the second category is abound, face plenty and abundance. So Paul knew the secret of contentment in humiliating situations. He knew how to be content in situations where he was hungry. And he knew how to be content in situations where he had need. Now just a couple chapters earlier, or a couple pages in our Bibles earlier... In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, excuse me, verse uh, chapter 11, we find out the scenarios that Paul is talking about. He's not just talking about ethereal situations that are just, you know, I, I really, I know how to be brought low. And he really, ha he really has been brought low. He's been in situations that seem very hopeless. He's been, uh, he's had um, betrayal. He's experienced betrayal. He's had Christians turned their back on him. He's had the world try to kill him. He knows how to be brought low. He knows this by experience. Just listen to this from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20, 23 through 29. Are, the serv are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, countless beatings. Let me just pause for a second. Um, I'm pretty sure if I'd had many beatings, I would remember how many there were. You're like, I've been beaten three times. He's been beaten countless times. Like, I just can't remember. I, I mean, I can't even remember how many times I've been beaten. That's a lot of beatings. Talk about being brought low. It's humiliating for a man, for, I mean, for anybody to be beaten by another man. And he was a man of prominence. Paul had respect. He had reverence. He had people who looked to him with almost like... Uh, celebrity, got like, uh, like googly eyes. There's a Pharisee of all Pharisees studying on the steps of Gamaliel. Are you kidding me? He had wealth, position, and power, and now countless beatings. By every measurable worldly standard, Paul was a, world, was a miserable failure. He literally walked down the success ladder, I mean like stumbled down from prominence how many people in Jerusalem, upon hearing where the Apostle Paul, man, boy, he had some promise. Who didn't know his call? Who didn't know all that God had called him to do? Think about those Pharisees that served, served alongside with him. 
my gosh, Paul just fell off the deep end and he kept falling. Like, just been beaten and imprisoned over and over again. Man, can you, do you remember the zeal he had for the law of God? Do you remember the passion he had? He's in jail again. Paul definitely would have been in Facebook jail, by the way. He would have been on Gab. Countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received by the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes, lest one. I mean, this is like the extreme of the extreme beating. This is like the second category of beating. There's the normal beating. Then there's the 40 lashes, lest one. Because the idea was with the 40th, you can't survive. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. At night and day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and in hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and in thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. You ever been so cold that you feel like your bones are just like on fire? And it's not heat, it's just so, so much cold, you just feel, it's just, your bones are just going to be brittle and going to fall apart, you're just so cold. Paul had been sleepless nights, hunger, thirst, food, water, cold, exposure, apart from other things, the daily pressure and anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak, am I not weak? Who is made to fall, am I not indignant? So when Paul says, I've learned the secret of content and I know what it means to be brought low, he really means it. He really means it. Paul learned contentment. Shipwrecked, content. Beaten, content. Forty lashes, minus one, content. Shipwrecked at sea a day and a night, content. Danger, content. Danger in the city, content. Danger in the wilderness, content. He knew how to face difficulty. And the difficulty did not have to determine what he was feeling on the inside. From the inside out, contentment, satisfaction, joy. You can't stop a man like that. What can you do to somebody like that? Just beat him again? Okay, I'm just going to keep being content. Satisfaction. But Paul also knew how to abound and face plenty and abundance. I can't help but think as he's talking about this, he, Paul knew riches. He really did. He knew a lifetime before, and then after Christ, it wasn't all, after he became a Christian, it wasn't all persecution. Paul went through times also of being well supplied, being taken care of, his tent business thriving. He, he went through moments after Christ that weren't simply persecution. He knew how to abound. He knew how to face plenty. He knew how to live with abundance. And there's a burden that comes with abundance. With loss, hunger, and need, we know it's there. With abundance, plenty, and more abundance, we really don't think it's there. Because we think that abundance, facing a lot of things, really good things coming your way, we think that that provides us the sustenance to be content. If things would go the way I want them to go, I would therefore be content. I would be incredibly thankful for God giving me everything that I had prayed for. Because we think that it's the circumstances that bring the contentment. It's not the circumstances that bring the contentment. Paul knew how to abound, face plenty, and then more abundance. Even with everything going well, we're going to have to learn contentment. 
Because our heart can run to a wrong place. I'm content because my life's this way. Okay, what if your house burns down? I hope it doesn't. What if the economy goes, and your retirement's out the window? What if you lose your job? What if something terrible happens? What if you get COVID and die? Your family member gets COVID and dies. It's bad stuff. If we're not careful, we'll have false contentment. And we'll think it's contentment, but really we're just really comfortable with our easy life. And there's a big difference between that. There's a lot of people who think they're content because their life is easy. Hollywood, as I said, is full of people with everything except contentment. Southern Illinois is full of people with a lot of things, but not contentment. That's how it is for most people who have plenty. The non-believer is chasing this thing. The Christian is learning this thing. Uh, in the world, it's the book of Ecclesiastes. In real life, it's Jay Gatsby. He just can't ever be content. He's got everything. He thinks that Daisy is the answer. And Daisy isn't the answer. It's a metaphor that can be used in all areas of life. If you've not read The Great Gatsby, I, I, well, there's a movie. You can watch, watch the movie if it's appropriate. I can't remember. Is The New Gatsby with, with Leo, is that appropriate? Maybe. I don't know. It's real-life people who are after con contentment, and they can't get it. And, and here we are as a group of people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. We're, we're wanting to learn this thing, and we're wanting to live this thing. We're wanting to be content and ambitiously content. As we see, I'm, I, this title, the sermon of the title is called uh, Ambitious Contentment because I don't want us to fall into resignation, and we don't see that in the life of Paul. Paul couldn't be stopped. He kept going. If anybody has godly ambition in the scriptures, it's the Apostle Paul. He keeps going. He's on mission. He's not going to be stopped. Beat me again? I don't care. I'll preach the gospel tomorrow. What's it matter to me? I'll be bloodied up. I'll be sore. I don't care. As long as I can get to my feet, as long as I can crawl out there, I'm going to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing's going to stop me. How about you? Back to the questions we started with. Many people deal with discontentment. I was talking with Jordan about this, and I had a theory about what women often are discontented with and what men are often dis discontented with and she's like ah, I don't think so and uh, I had to clarify a little bit so we might be all over the all over the place here but women often are discontent with things that surround security different life better situation better home more money maybe not but men are often discontent because of material things and things of significance. Uh, they're always wanting the next adventure, the next gear. There's always gear to buy. Brandon knows what I'm talking about. There's always gear. You're like, list for Christmas, you know, next year. This year, I got all my hunting gear last year. And then this year, my list was way smaller. But there's always, like, there's, like, a new thing that, that captures you. And you're like, man, that Instagram ad, they, they're pretty good. You know, they can get me. Phil's laughing because he's like, you know, that mustache wax ad pops up on Instagram. And <laughs> Phil's like, man. Got to get it. So look at your life. Are you content? Okay? And then we're going to lean in together because Paul's going to tell us the secret. And it's a great secret. It's, it's, it's a secret that he's going to expose. He's like, guys, here's how you can be content. Here's how, here's how you're content in your life. It, it's through Christ. 
And through Christ, you can be content. And we're going to look at probably the most used, uh, misused Bible verse in all the Bible. Verse 13. Look at verse 12. We'll just finish verse 12 and go into verse 13. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's not about winning the Super Bowl. That's not about tackling the next difficulty in your life. It's directly related to contentment. Let me ask you this, especially young moms. I see this in a lot. When you're, when you're a mom and young women in your 20s and 30s, contentment can be this elusive thing. Ladies, if you're honest enough, uh, can you say that that's, you've experienced that? Any, any lady in here where you feel like you're losing some of yourself? You know, you go through this like, oh my gosh, my kids are here. And uh, am I just a mom? Like, what, who am I? Those questions, those who am I questions, oh man, they, they can mess with you for a long time. Uh, here, newsflash, you're the Lord's. That's who you are. That's whose you are. Okay? Obey him. There's your solution. There's your answer. Honor him. You don't need to find yourself. Okay? Ladies. Uh, men, it's often with promotion or it's with your job or where you're at in life or you look at uh, buddies and they're a little bit further ahead of you and you wonder like, I'm a bum. I don't want to be a bum. Uh, or I should be further. I thought my life would be different. I want that hunting experience, or I want this or that. Whatever it may be from the inside out. Contentment. And we're told that we can be content because Christ gives us strength. Through Christ who gives me strength. Now notice in verse 11, we already said it. I have learned in verse 12, I I know how. I have learned the secret of facing All of this with contentment. And the answer, the big news flash, is just simple. The answer is almost always Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What are the all things that he can do, that Paul can do, that you can do? Well, all the things we just talked about. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can face being brought low. I can face hunger. I can face need. I can face plenty. I can face abundance. Whatever comes my way, I can face it with contentment because Christ is giving me strength. I don't live this life alone. I'm not trying to figure this stuff out alone. I'm not wandering in the dark like everybody else in the world. I know my mission. I know my purpose. I know to whom I belong. I'm not out just seeking what's my purpose in life because I know my purpose in life. I belong to God. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to obey him. That's what I'm going to do. That's my purpose. I'm going to be on mission tomorrow. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. I'm not going to apologize for God's word. I'm going to obey. That's why I exist. And you can do this by the grace of God. I can do all things. How? Because Christ is strengthening me. There's an erroneous idea. There really is an erroneous idea amongst some believers. And it's amongst believers like myself who love the grace of God. But they will say things like this. Until God gives you the desire to obey, the Christian just shouldn't obey. You should pray for the desire to obey. And you got to wait till the motive comes. And there was a big debate about this when it comes to repentance 
back in like the 17th century, and the marrow men, is what they were called, corrected this idea. Don't wait till these internal impulses. Obey, and then on the other side of obedience, when you've done the thing you didn't feel like doing, you say, God, thank you for giving me the strength to do it. I didn't do that on my own. You did that in me. Obey. Obey the Lord. Well, I don't feel like it. So, what's he called you to do in this? Well, it just, it feels like drudgery. So, obey. Obey your way out of that. Through the grace of God. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. And although it's true, motives really do matter. Why we do what we do does matter. And we want our actions to be motivated correctly from the inside out. But there's going to be times in our life where that motive is not there. You don't feel like it. And you have the command in front of you. And you just have to say, God, help me to love my wife as Christ loves the church today. Wives, God, help me submit to my husband today. And I don't want to. Help me obey today. And you go out and you obey even if you don't feel like it. And then on the other side of that obedience, you go to bed and say, God, thank you for helping me do that today. That was not by my strength. When you obey, when you do what God has called you to do, thank God that he gave you the strength to do that, even though you didn't feel like doing it. On the other side of obedience, we always say, God, thank you. Thank you. Um. Paul does this a lot in Philippians. We're going to do a, bit, a, a survey of Philippians here and look at these verses. Paul will talk about his action and God's work in the same verses. I can do all things through Christ. I can do. Statement about himself. All things, how can you do all things? Through Christ who gives me strength. So it's a recognition that he's doing something. But it's a recognition that it's Christ giving him the strength to do it. So you don't get legalism. You don't get license. You don't get antinomianism, which is a lawless understanding of God's word. You can obey knowing that God's working through you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Okay, consider this. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. God began a good work in you, and he promises he will complete it. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. God granted you faith and suffering with the prior promise that he will finish what he began. So God will finish what he started in you. It's a statement about you. God started something in me personally, but he's going to finish what he started in me and us. He finishes what he starts. So if he started in you, he's going to finish it in you. Philippians 2, 12 and 13, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's a command to you. Work it out with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The desire to obey is God's work, God working in you. If you want to obey today, that's because God is at work in you. Philippians 3, 12, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. If he has made me his own, I'm going to press on. I'm doing the pressing on because he has made me his own. Philippians 3, 20 and 21, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. It's a promise. God will do this. Promises like this are not about human 
power or the Christian's power. Promises like this are about the power of God. If my citizenship is in heaven right now, and I'm promised a glorious body, then he must have the power to complete that promise. He's going to get me there. And then Philippians 4.12, I can do all things. How can you do all things? How can you walk in contentment? How can you walk out of these doors and have joy from the inside out, no matter what your circumstance? Through Christ who gives you strength. I can learn contentment because I'm not alone. Christ will finish what he started in me. I can learn contentment because Christ granted me faith to believe that. As I work this out, I know it is God who works in me to will and to work for his good pleasure. I know my citizenship is in heaven and Jesus will get me there. If he can promise me heaven now, certainly he can give me contentment now. If all of this is true, then I can be content because I know Christ can give me and is giving me and has given me strength. Um, if this is you, if you're struggling with discontentment, look in your life and ask, what am I not being grateful for? What has God given me? If you regularly are that person who's like, what's my purpose in life? I just don't know. This is across the board. Men and women both deal with this. Stop that. Stop whining. Stop crying about it. God has given you his purpose. It is a lie that you get to determine your own purpose. And part of your discontentment is because you're chasing your own dreams rather than obeying the Lord. And then ask, is there any area in my life right now that I'm discontent directly because of my disobedience? Where am I disobeying the Lord? And if you're disobeying the Lord and you're saying, yeah, I do feel content, we'll, we'll obey him. He knows better than you do. Obey and honor him. You're like, well, I just, it's hard. Yeah, so learn to do it. By God's grace. This isn't about human strength. This is about God working in and through you. Contentment is the internal satisfaction that God gives. That comes from knowing you are in Christ. That you are obeying him in whatever situation you're in. And that he is in control. If you're a non-believer in here today... Contentment will be elusive forever. Stoicism is an option. Suppressing desire and just acting as if you can have joy through just ignoring everything in your life. But a far better way is to discover godly ambition and to discover contentment and come to him. Let him to satisfy you from the inside out and then love and obey him the rest of your life. That's a far better option then running around, acting as if you can determine your own purpose and chase after it and feel like this contentment's all, you're just never, always running and never arriving. Come to Christ. He will have you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace. Uh, for anybody that's dealing with discontentment, I pray that we would learn contentment. I pray you'd help us. Uh, help us to obey you. Help us to look at the fact that we're in Christ and be grateful for it. And if anybody in here is dealing with it, God, I pray that today they would just, they, they would stop. They would quit it and uh, help us. Grant us repentance. Open our eyes. Um, lead us in the direction you want to lead us. Holy Spirit, you're really good at that.
And so as we sing, bring things to mind we need to repent of, bring things to mind we're not grateful for, and help us walk out of here content, satisfied, ambitious for your glory and honor. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I mean, if you'd like